Hey, good morning, everyone. My name's Matt. If we haven't met, I'm going to be doing the reading this morning. I hope, hope everyone had a great week, uh, but it's good to see everybody here today. Good to see everybody. Uh, so we're going to be reading from uh, Luke, uh, specifically chapter 7, verses, uh, verses 1 through uh, 10. So it's going to be in your bulletin if you have your Bible as well or uh, up on the screen. But uh, again, Luke 7, 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom, he had met, uh, the, whom the master had valued highly, was sick and was about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent to return, return to the house and found the servant well. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Matt, for reading our scripture this morning. And good morning, Wellspring family and friends. Uh, I was in a little bit of a kerfuffle this morning, and I couldn't find my sermon notes, which I had left up here after doing the prayer. So I printed them out. So I have two copies in case anyone wants to read what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I hope the beginning of your year has gone um, better. And if it has not, then I pray that the, the word that we're in today, that today's scripture has something to speak to you, as I know it has something to say to me. Um, I do want to say thank you to Pastor Yumiko for last week stepping in and preaching last minute when I was out sick. Thank you. It's not many people you can call up at like three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and say, help. <laughs> but I'm thankful for her willingness to preach last year. And I had been preparing to preach, but I was just too sick. Uh, so along the way, as you, many of you know, I like to collect memes and, and gifs or gifts to share about the new year. And I figured that there was one I still wanted to share with you today. Can I still do that? It's not quite the first Sunday after the new year, but we can share it anyway, right? It's still kind of the new year. Um, here we go. It's a little monkey. It says, me calling God to make sure I sign up for the blessed and highly favored package and not the trials and tribulations package for 2024. <laughs> I love monkey on the phone. <laughs> I saw that. I love that. I was like, yes, which package have I, am I enrolled in for this year? I want the good one. Because uh, if, if, if your year has been anything like mine, there's already been some, some trial and tribulations, some difficulties, some bad news, as well as good news. So as we get ready to look at today's text, at today's text where there is some really difficult situation that uh, Jesus is listening to, uh, I just want to invite you to think of one particular situation or one particular thing that's on your mind right now, something you're holding that you would like to bring to God. That if you had, let's say, 15 minutes of Jesus' time, let's say Jesus was here in person today and Jesus had, was taking 15-minute reservations with everyone from Wellspring, you had 15 minutes to talk to Jesus about whatever you wanted to have him listen, what would you want to say? So I invite you right now just to think about what you would want to say. If there's a situation going on, or a person you want to intercede for, something about the world, about you. Let's take a moment to think about that. 
and we'll get back to it later. Thank you. Continue to hold that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that later. So this, this week, even though it's not the first week of the new year, it's a week that we are beginning a new worship series together. Over the past few months, we've been in the book of Luke and we'll continue to be in the book of Luke. Um, over Advent and Christmas time, we were asking ourselves, how does a weary world rejoice? And we looked at the first couple chapters of Luke and we saw that we can rejoice in our weariness. A weary world can rejoice when we state and name our weariness, when we're able to find joy in connection, even in our weariness, when we make room for God's new life among us, when we share stories of God's hope. Last week, we saw how we can find joy in our weariness when we live into our belovedness and the new beginnings that Jesus has for us. So we've been in the book of Luke, and we're going to continue in the book of Luke as we start something new that's related to Wellspring's word of the year. A word um, we selected as a team that is also an invitation to move closer into God's heart for Wellspring, as well as for us and our neighbors around us. And in case you're thinking, uh, word of the year, what is Wellspring's word of the year? Well, um, we've usually had a word of the year for maybe the past, I think, five or six years. I think as long as I've been here, we've had a word of the year. And probably before that as well, Colleen could probably tell me stories. I'll have to ask you, Colleen, later on for other (laughs) words of the year. But these are the ones I remembered. Um, In 2020, when Pastor Dale retired, uh, we picked the word renewal. And then it kind of became unraveled. (laughs) Unraveled became our new word of the year. We used that word throughout the whole year. And ironically, sometimes you can't have renewal without first unraveling something. So it kind of worked, maybe, sort of. That was 2020. (laughs) Then in 2021, our word was persevere, right? It was really hard. And we're like, how can we just keep persevering with God uh, for our good, for those around us? And then in 2022, we started looking at our vision for this, this current moment, to be a mending church, to be a church that's part of God's good mending in the world, be an equipping church, help people get resources they need to live more emotionally, spiritually healthy lives, and to be a light, God's good, healthy light um, around us. And then releasing, how do we like actually go out and like love our neighbors? How do we actually live into the gifts that we have? And then 2023, our word was open, not just because we're open as a church, but because we were moving last year and we were trying to be open to all the possibilities. So that's what that word was there for. (laughs) How can we hold our move with open hands? And this year, what's our word this year? Well, first, a little bit of background. After we moved this summer, one of my mentors was talking with me and pointed out that God had provided a place for us in the same neighborhood, like just down the street. They're like, you know, God isn't done with you guys uh, in Halava. Like, if so, God could have moved you anywhere, and yet here you are in Halava. And why do you think you're in Halava? And so I I thought, you know, at at an age and stage when other churches like ours facing challenges like ours have fizzled out or, um, you know, haven't been able to make it through, God has kept us together, has breathed new life into us, and brought us here. So we began listening. God, why are we here? Then after we moved this summer, uh, we, we, we pulled together a launching team, a launching well team made up of all these different priorities of things that are important to us right now. Like how do we worship right here as things are clearly in flux, right? We got wires everywhere and no carpet and, you know, we're kind of 
gaveling, uh, getting seats each week from friends. I think you're sitting in some seats that were brought here over Christmas. Thank you to whoever brought the seats. <laughs> We've ordered some chairs, but things aren't the way they will be, right? We're worshiping in the meantime. And this is actually, I think, our true acts of worship is when everything feels kind of like uh, in transition. We, we lean into our, our ministry team reactivations. What do our teams need as a, as a cakey church meets in a new space? What kind of permits do we need to pull? How do we partner with God's mission of God around us? How do we design and set up this space? And we realized with each of these priorities, we needed to listen to each other. We need to listen to each other as we planned out like carpet color and color for the walls. Who knew? We need to listen to our neighbors. Like a couple months ago, we planned a family event here at Wellspring and we had a whole bunch of people come, which was really fun. We had lots of food and we watched a movie um, inside out about a girl who was going through a big move and had a lot of feelings about it. And originally we thought, oh, maybe it'll be a Halloween event and people like our neighbors come. And you know what? None of our neighbors came, even though we invited them. (laughs) It was fun because a lot of you were here. But I remember thinking, um, you know, we have so much food. I grabbed some popcorn. I went outside to, um, to meet with some of the families that are waiting outside the judo. And I gave them food and they're like, oh, you should have been here last night. There was like almost 250 of us filling this car, uh, this parking lot because we were doing this big judo competition. And I thought, oh, shucks. Had I listened better, I would have known they were here the night before. We could have planned something. Ah. So this word listen kept coming up again and again. And we decided to lean into it and make 2024 our year of listening. Listening to God, listening to our own souls. What do we need? Listening to each other, listening to our neighbors. (laughs) And friends, good listening can change worlds. It can change minds. It can heal wounds and free people from shame. Good listening can unearth the truth and it can spread the truth. If poor listening can start wars, good listening can help end them. If poor listening can harm marriages and partnerships and roommates and workplaces, good listening can build them up. Good listening can result in God's goodness being spread throughout the world. It can result in forgiveness being freely shared. Good listening can change worlds. And although we've all experienced bad listening at sometimes been not so great listeners ourselves, being a good listener is a skill that we all can grow in. It's a calling that God has for each one of us in our formation. So we're going to be trying to do some equipping over the year. Uh, we're going to be not just talking about listening, but also trying to find ways we can be better listeners together, whether it's maybe having a seminar on listening or doing a cohort on listening, like Pastor Yumiko brought a few of us through last year. It was wonderful, this listening project we did. I know the men's group has had Pastor Dale come and share about listening, but we're going to try to incorporate this into the life of our community this year to try to be better listeners so that we can be impacted with God's goodness and kindness. And so we can also reach our neighbors whom are so needing to meet Jesus. So um, when we look at today's text that Matt read for us earlier, um, we see some really good listening. We actually see two brilliant listeners. Um, It's going to be starting off our, our new series today in Luke, which we're calling Stop, Luke, and Listen which Pastor Cheryl definitely named. <laughs> Pastor Yumiko sketched out the text that Pastor Cheryl named it. I wish she was here. We'll have to tell her. We heard your sermon series 
And we're going to be in Luke. That's why it's Luke. But we're going to be inviting ourselves to stop and like, what is God doing? And how can we be listening to Jesus' words? Because Jesus was the best listener. Jesus listened to understand. Jesus listened to impel good change. Jesus listened to forgive. Jesus listened to love. Good leadership always starts with listening. So we're going to be in Luke doing some listening this year. Um, And I figure right before we go to the text, let's just do a quick definition. This is how I'm defining listening today. I think there's lots of good definitions of listening, but um, I'm defining it as an active process that takes time and effort, requires one to use all of one's available senses and one's brain to interpret the message and choose appropriate action. Like, should I say something now? Should I ask a question? Should I just be still in this moment? Listening always requires some kind of action. And in the text right before the one that Matt read today, Jesus is talking about listening and hearing God's words and choosing appropriate action. So listening is this active process. It invites us into some kind of action. And um, that's the definition just for now. And the disclaimer, disclaimer is that sometimes when we think about listening, we think about hearing. And um, that can leave huge swaths of the population out who don't hear very well or perhaps cannot hear. And I just want to invite us to remember that good listening is not necessarily tied to the physical act of hearing, as sometimes people who cannot hear are the best listeners out there, paying attention to the whole body, paying attention to the word signs and mouths on lips, the paying attention to the whole affect of the person. So um, as we talk about listening, just remember, it's not always just about the physical act of hearing. There's so much more that goes into it. And depending on neurodiversities, sometimes even the way that people listen and the way people look when they're listening differs. So I remember I was in this job interview uh, in the early 2000s, and um, it was my first non-ministry, like, full-time job I was interviewing for. I remember being so nervous, and I was coping with undiagnosed ADHD at the time. I didn't know it. Um, So all I could think of was, like, don't interrupt them. Like, stay in your seat. Maintain eye contact. And you know what? I think I said, be calm. I think I stared, like, so intently trying to look like I was listening that um, I didn't blink very much. And I wound up with this epic headache, like a headache I still remember the pain of in the back of my eyes. And like all night long, I had to like lay with like a cool cloth like on my head. I couldn't even get up from the couch. And thankfully, I did get the job. I don't know how I got the job. They must have been desperate. (laughs) But depending on who you are, what it looks like when you listen might differ. So just be aware of that as we get ready to, to look into listening, to launch into listening, and what that means for us and as listeners um, growing in that skill with God. So here we go. Today's text found in Luke 7. It's still the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's been up all night, not too long ago, listening to his father and choosing 12 disciples. He's just finished teaching on the plane. He's tying and listening with the call to act, to do, to respond to God. And here today, we see Jesus as listener and responder. I'm going to go ahead and read it again, just so we get the, the passage really into our hearts. When Jesus had finished saying all these things to the people, he went to Capernaum. A Roman officer there had a servant who was very dear to him, but the servant was sick and about to die. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his servant. They came to Jesus and begged him earnestly, this man really deserves your help. He loves our people and he himself built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the officer sent friends to tell him, Sir, don't trouble yourself. 
I do not deserve to have you come into my house. Neither do I deserve, consider myself worthy to come to you in person. Just say the word and my servant will get well. I too am a man placed under the authority of superior officers and I have soldiers under me. I order this one go and he goes. I order that one come and he comes. And I order my servant do this and he does it. Jesus was surprised when he heard this. He turned around and said to the crowd following him, I tell you, I have never found faith like this, not even in Israel. Messengers went back to the officer's house and found his servant restored to health. This is the word of the Lord. In this passage, Jesus is listening. He's listening to the Jewish elders, first of all. We're going to go ahead and move with this. He's listening as they come to Jesus. And let me just tell you, it's rather unusual. Oops, let's show that one again. Um, he's listening to Jewish elders, and this is kind of unusual to have like the elders of a village like this come on behalf of a Roman officer. What in the world? These, these groups of people are not by nature friends at all. I mean, to Jewish perspectives, Romans are there occupying their ancestral land. They're the ones who fought their people for control of their land, and they're there occupying it. This this Roman officer would have had something like 80 different soldiers under his control. They're in the area to keep you know, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So this officer had the interests of Rome and the authority of Rome behind him. So to have the Jewish elders of that town come and plead on his behalf is something very unusual. Already at the beginning of our story, we see boundaries being crossed and borders breached and people behaving in ways we wouldn't. There's definitely some kind of love, some, some kind of listening here. So Jesus listens. He's listening to the Jewish elders. He also listens to the friends with the message, right? When Jesus is on the way, he's almost there. The friends come out and Jesus listens to them. They have a message. And the message is, you know what? I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. I don't even consider myself worthy to come to you in person. You know, say the word. I know things will work out. So Jesus listens to these friends with a message. And then Jesus listens. He listens to the faith of the Roman officer. He listens to the faith. He says, I haven't found faith like this, even in Israel. And he's not bashing Israelites when he says this, because that's where you expect to find faith. You'd expect to find faith among this group of people who are practicing the worship of Yahweh, who've been waiting for a Messiah. Jesus is saying, even with this wonderful group of people, and remember, it's the Jewish elders, they have faith too. They're coming to Jesus with, you know, the request of their friend. But Jesus is just astounded to see this man this Roman officer, he has this faith? In the English translation, sometimes it says that Jesus is marveling or astonished. Jesus listens to the faith of the Roman officer. Friends, Jesus does a lot of listening in this passage. And if you and I listen to the words of scripture, we'll see that Jesus is not just listening in this passage to each, you know, different aspect, um, each different group of people. But we'll know that Jesus is listening to you, and Jesus is listening to me. Jesus has promised to be there with us always, even to the very end, he says in Matthew 28. He's promised that where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there with you. God has promised to never leave or abandon you. The psalmist says the Lord is close to all who call on him. That means Friends, that the presence and spirit of Jesus is here right now with us. Not just like twiddling God's thumbs, waiting for something exciting to happen. But God is here, present, willing us into a future with God. Working, bringing freedom, bringing forgiveness, 
jolting us out of our complacentness, bringing new hope, challenging our ways of thinking that are unhealthy and unhelpful, that are sinful, that are complicit, inviting us to live from our belovedness, away from all the pettiness that holds us back. Friends, Jesus is listening to you. Now, um, whether you think you're an enemy of God or a friend of God, Jesus is listening to you. Because who would have most thought they were an enemy of God but the Roman officer? Because you'd think that a God of Israel would not be a friend to a Roman officer. And yet here they are. This man is not letting this hold himself back. He's not letting whether or not he'd be viewed as an enemy or friend hold him back. And in the end, who is it who actually gave the order to end Jesus's life? It was a Roman official. Who is it who carried out the order and nailed him to the cross? It was Roman soldiers. But this Roman officer did not let whether he looked like an enemy or friend hold him back. He went to Jesus. And friends, you don't have to let whether you feel like an enemy or friend hold you back either because Jesus is listening to you. Jesus is listening to you whether you consider yourself worthy or not. The Jewish elders, they come and they say, hey, this man is so worthy. He's deserving of your health. He's built as a synagogue. Please help him. But what did the man himself say? He said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Whether you consider yourself worthy today or good enough, Jesus is listening to you. Because Jesus didn't care whether this man was good enough. He was listening to him. He was listening to him. Whatever your backstory is, whether it's something that you think people would keep you away from God or not, whatever your backstory is, Jesus is listening to you. In this passage, we are not told the relationship of the servant and this officer. We have two hints of it in the Greek, and both of them are highly ambiguous and leave us with many options, which means we can't really guess. The word there used for servant is the word pious, and it can mean child, like a young boy. It can mean child, like somebody else's child. It could mean personal servant, or it could even mean a younger person in a same-sex intimate relationship. It could mean many things, and it's used for all these different words in the Greek language of the time. It could mean that he was his child. Now, Roman officers at that time were not allowed to get married, but many of them would have sort of unofficial families on the side, <laughs> sort of common-law families that would travel with you. There's all these, like, in burial grounds of Roman officers, you would see inscriptions from family members, like from loving wives, but they weren't allowed to have wives, from children, technically they weren't allowed to have children, but everyone had families following them around. So it could be that perhaps this was his child or someone he adopted. We have no idea. We don't know anything about his backstory. It's ambiguous, but it does not keep him away from God. It does not keep Jesus away from listening to him, no matter how else other people might view him. Nothing gets in the way. Jesus listens to him. So whether you think you're an enemy or a friend of God, whether you consider yourself worthy or not, whatever your backstory is, whether it's good or bad or ambiguous or who knows, whether it's something other people might think that gets in your way, it does not get in the way and Jesus is listening to you. Now, the Roman officer, he was also listening. We can tell in our text that he listened to those under his care. We can tell that because he listened to what they needed, and they needed a synagogue. We can tell that because he developed a relationship with them and loved them. And not only does leadership begin with listening, but love begins with listening, too. So we know that this man was a listener. He was listening we knew that he let his listening grow his service, grow his love in service. Because as he built a synagogue, 
it resulted in all this worship of God. Do you know there's actually excavations in Capernaum that show there is this, uh, the synagogue. It's sort of this white, this white, um, it's not a marble, but uh, limestone. And underneath the white limestone from the second century is a little old black basalt synagogue. And right next to it is a, a house. And we're wondering, is it the Roman officer's house? Because next to it was a garrison for soldiers. So we have evidence that there was a man who loved his community so much, even though he thought he looked like an enemy, people could have thought that. He listened. He let his listening grow his love and service. He built something for his community to be able to love and worship the Lord. He was listening. One of the things I like best about the Roman officer is that he listened enough to know who to ask for help. (laughs) Somehow he heard about Jesus. I don't know whether he heard a story of Jesus, maybe a teaching of Jesus. Maybe he just heard that there was this new prophet around. Who knows? But he knew who to ask for help. He knew who to send his friends to, who to send the elders of his town to. He listened enough to know who to ask for help. And are we doing the same? Friends, every single day, our attention is being fought over by marketing campaigns, by our phones, by our work by competing needs in our family. When we're online, all of our attention is being monitored and analyzed by our social media groups. I hate to scare you. I mean, this is all common knowledge, right? (laughs) We know that what we click on and what we hover on and what we spend more time on kind of goes to feed this complex algorithm, which then tries to show us more of similar things so that we stay longer on our devices. Because your attention is highly valuable. Your attention is a powerful thing. So powerful corporations are spending billions of dollars to trying to harness your attention. And here at Wellspring, our attention, our listening is a powerful thing. I'm wondering, can we here at Wellspring become like this Roman officer in his, in his listening? Can we become a listening church? Letting listening grow our love and connection to our neighbors? Letting listening organically grow our worship and faith as it did for him? Can we let our listening grow our wonder at God's goodness and saving power so that one day we can be an example of faith, even like this Roman officer was? This is one of our questions for this new year. One of the reasons, as I move to close, why I love this story so much is because it feels really relatable to me more than some other miracles, right? There's other miracles where Jesus is there face-to-face with the person and he like spits in the, in the dust and makes a murky substance and slaps it on eyes and says, go wash. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. And you have other instances, <laughs> like, right? It's weird, right? It's weird. We should preach on that. When we have other stories, like where Jesus, right after this, Jesus is entering this town, or he's going past this town called Nain. And as, as he and his disciples leave, and they're so excited because God's done these wonderful things, they meet a, a party that's in mourning. They're, they're mourning, and there's this man on a, a funeral bier. Like, he's dead, and his mother is there who's a widow, and she's mourning, and the whole town is mourning with her. And Jesus' happy sort of procession meets with this very devastating procession, and Jesus just looks at this man. And he lays hands and he, the man's he brought back to life. He's healed. And the, the mother, like, very confusing day. You're mourning one minute, celebrating the next. Like, they're there looking at each other face to face, eye to eye. And sometimes I feel like, wow, that is a nut story. It seems so out of my realm. I don't relate to it as much, but I love it. But this passage, I relate to this passage. Because Jesus 
and this Roman officer never see each other. They don't touch each other or clasp hands. They don't even physically hear the sound of each other's voice, but their communication and their listening is mediated through space and time, through other people. Just like when we have prayer requests and we come to each other during the week and we say, hey, can you pray for this thing happening? Can you pray for this thing happening with my spouse? Can you pray for this thing happening with my workplace, with my kids? We come to each other and we say, hey, can you pray for me, right? That's a mediation, kind of like what these guys were doing. We don't see Jesus face to face in this life, in this moment. Yet, like this Roman officer, we can still listen to God and have God listen to us. Like this Roman officer, we can know that Jesus' word is so powerful, this Roman officer didn't even need to hear it. He said, say the word and my servant will be well. He didn't say, say the word so I can hear it. He just knew that all it would take would be for Jesus to utter one word with the power of God behind it, and it would change everything. It would change worlds. He didn't need to physically hear it, to be listening in his soul for God to show up. Friends, the power of Jesus' word transcends time and space. Jesus' word once spoken has the power to change and open doors has the power to bring justice and mercy, has power to forgive and heal. The word has the power to walk with us in the valley of the shadow of death. The word has the ability to bring eternal life. Are we listening? As John's gospel says, the word was life and the life is the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not extinguish the light. The word has spoken, friends, and is still reverberating back and forth through space and time, changing worlds as it did for the centurion and his dear servant, changing worlds as it can and as it has for you and me. The beginning of our time together, I invited you to think of a person or a situation that you would like to talk about with God if you had 15 minutes of Jesus' time today. And I invite you now to let that come back to your remembrance. If you had 15 minutes of Jesus' time, what would you want to say? And I want us to take a moment and hold this in our heart. And as we get ready to come up and take communion today, I want you to ask Jesus if there's a word he wants to speak into it, a word that you might not perhaps hear with your physical ears, but a word that could change everything, a word you are listening with the very fiber of your being for. What needs to be heard? What word of Jesus needs to be spoken? I'm going to pray to close us and to invite us into a time of communion with Pastor Yumiko in just a minute. But let's just end after my prayer with some silence so you can take some time to listen and to speak. Lord, thank you that just as the prophet in Lamentation says, in the worst of times, I called on your name. Lord, from the depths of the pit, you heard my plea. Hear my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. Lord, I pray that we will hear your voice mediated through space and time through others. We would know you're listening to us, whether we feel worthy or unworthy, whether we feel like friend or foe, whether we feel like there's anything in the way or not that you would speak the word that needs to be spoken so that we could be healed. 
In your name we pray and hold our thoughts, what's in our mind and heart even now. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, as we go back to our life, our daily life, uh, at the end of the service, I don't know, kids, if you know this, we usually do this thing called benediction, which is a prayer to say, hey, you're going to have a new week and here's my prayer for you. That's kind of the thing. And usually one of us do the prayer. Sometimes all of us do a prayer for someone. And today I'm wondering, since you're here, I wonder if we can all do the good prayer for Auntie Clara, if that's okay. So I don't know if she's watching today or not, or she's listening to us today, but the camera is back in a corner. Back, If you turn around, you can go ahead and turn around. Camera is on, Iris is pointing. So can we all look in a camera? And I'm going to pray uh, just as, I guess, as a, just one person praying is here. So I'm going to, oh, sorry, over there. Everybody pointing on the corner. Okay, turn around. Here's the prayer. So we're gonna, I'm going to say a prayer, and you can also pray for Auntie Claire. I don't know if you know her or not. You can pray for her to be not be in pain, right, that she can rest well. And she knows that we're thinking of her and are praying for her, and we love her so, so much. Okay, so can, I'm going to pray. And if you can do this, if you can put the, your hands, oh, so you can see me because you have your back, great, but you can... <laughs> kind of praying for her this is saying Auntie Claire we're praying for you okay so you can do that you can do one hand both hand yeah you can kind of you know cover her and say hey we're praying for you okay I'm gonna pray for all of us let's pray together and I'm gonna pray from the book of Romans okay for we are convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord, our dear sister. Thank you. Amen. Okay, and all of us, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you.